Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. We're so glad that you are back with us. And we are excited about the topic today because I think it's one that's very necessary in this day and age where we've got a lot of issues floating around out there that can be um, contentious. So today we're going to be talking about respectful disagreement. Mm. So we're, we're entering in with the assumption that you're not seeing eye to eye to th- uh, on some things with people, but you want to have conversations that are fruitful and that don't devolve into yelling or um, stomping away, or hurt feelings. Right. I love this topic, Megan, because as this show is really dedicated to healthy relationships, having respectful um, disagreements, it starts from very personal to a spouse, a child, all the way through our friends and just um, the discourse for the common good. So I love this topic. I'm glad you suggested it. Yeah, it's really important. And I think it's something that... uh Let's be perfectly honest. We are struggling. We are struggling in this day and age. Mm. All you have to do is turn on the TV to any news outlet and you can see on display a total lack of willingness to have discussion that is a true dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more often than not, it's shouting each other's, you know, opinions out over the other person, not really listening, not really having a mindset that you have any thought that you would be swayed in any way by the other person. But simply it's become a competition. It's become a battleground where people just want to win the argument. Right. You know, but Megan, there's another side of that, too, is the political correctness side. So me being someone who wants to be polite and good, maybe started shying away from saying things I needed to say because I wanted to be polite. So you've got kind of these two opposites going on here. Um, yeah. the, the people that want to shout about it and people that are trying to avoid confrontation, which I think is they're both flawed. Right. Well, if you want to take this analogy of it, it's become like a a sports competition, you've got like the big burly jocks who are out there smashing each other. And then the people who are like, I think I'll just stay on the bench because this, this match is violent, Mm -hmm. you know, not for me. And uh, the reality is, is that we all lose when that's the way things are because real honest discussion, especially when there are areas of disagreement are really important. So important. Because even if you don't come to the place where you agree with each other, you may come to the very important place where you understand each other and in understanding follows respect. Right. So we talk about respectful disagreement. It's not just the manner in which you're discussing things. It's also the manner in which you're approaching another person with dignity and respect that says, you know what, we may disagree completely on certain topics where we're on total other ends of the spectrum, but still seeing the person as a person and not just their ideas or their beliefs. Right. You know, right. Because they are still a person and they are still beloved by God. And we are all called to love each other, even when we abhor the opinions of others. Because let's be honest, there's some pretty awful ideas out there, some sinful, evil ideas. I'm not denying that. And I'm not saying that we should ever respect those ideas. We should not respect 
evil, sinful ideas. I'm going to put that out there right now. We're not called to respect those, but we are called to still respect the dignity of the human being who may hold those. Absolutely. So important to remember that. So I love the way you make that distinction, which I think has really been lost to to distinguish between the human person and their opinion or idea. They're not the same thing. So um, look at people with their human dignity intact and they may have these ideas or assumptions or whatnot, but that doesn't make, make them different. I mean, not in their dignity. Right. Yeah. They're still beloved by God. That's what we always have to remember. So, you know, I kind of came up with a number of sort of bullet points as it relates to um, how to engage in in some respectful disagreement. And the first thing um, that came to mind when I was pondering this was if you go into the conversation looking for a fight, you've already lost. If your goal is to have respectful dialogue, (laughs) You know, because just like I was saying, it's not about being a competition. It's not. And what people really need to realize, too, is it's like you're not in it to win or convince. So that's a big problem. People are trying to convince you of their point of view when in reality to be respectful just means I want you to hear my side. It's just up Mm -hmm. to us to plant the seed. And I'm open to listening to your side as well because I value you. Right. And and that point that word listening is important right so important if your only um sort of goal in that conversation is what you're going to say then you're not disposed to actually listen to what they have to say and i know i'm going to admit it i have been guilty of this many times where i can spend a good portion of my quote unquote listening time to another person contemplating how i'm going to rebut or, or, you know, deny whatever it is they're saying or whatever my next point is. Like, yeah, it's easy to fall into that pattern when you, you know, really want to convince or win the argument. Right. And, and my notes, it's interesting, folks, because Megan has her set of notes and I have my set of notes on the same topic and they just play into each other beautifully because one of mine was holy listening mm-hmm. and being able to listen to the heart and what they're trying to come across. So there's an element of that, just being very genuinely there to listen. I think listening is definitely something that's been lost. Maybe another podcast to just talk about the value of how to listen well, because I know that I don't do that. I work at it, but I, I, Mm -hmm. I get lots, lots of room to grow. Yeah. When I was pondering this, um, the, uh, you know, that little prayer of St. Francis uh, came to mind and the line, seek to understand more than be understood. Yes. I think that's a really, really important thing because the reality is, is that, you know, we know what we believe, you know, we, you gen- we generally have reasons for the things that we believe. So we really don't need to hear ourselves talk about our own beliefs so much uh, to, you know, we know, but that person who's in front of you, you don't really, really know what it is they believe necessarily you might have an idea of the stance they take on things but that's the only the the really surface of what it is they believe because under any stance on something there's a whole like depth of reasons for why they believe what they believe and in the end what you're really trying to understand if you want to understand a person isn't just their view on an, a particular matter, their, their, 
the like say you know I think that on this issue in the that's on the ballot I believe this well the question is not just that but why what speaks to you about that you know and and try to go deeper into the why not just the what we stop so much on the what what do you believe and then we respond to that well i don't think that's right because this 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 and this or you know whatever but if you can start moving the conversation towards the why, why do you believe that? I like what you said about seek to understand. Let's let's to me when I hear that too, and remind. Excuse me, when I uh, first started really praying that Saint Francis prayer, this line in that prayer really stood out to me because I was really feeling misunderstood and mm. wanted people to understand me. But when I really dive deeper into that and kind of pick it apart a little bit, that's a lot of self-love and self-will. Oh, I just need to be understood. And you need to understand that the only person that needs to understand me is the good Lord. (laughs) That's where I should be looking. So that was a, a real shift for me when I started to seek to understand. And that was a greater priority than to be understood was secondary. And that actually reminds me of something that I was going to bring up before we got too much into this conversation is um, often when we're going into discussions with people, we may know already that they have um, some opinions or whatever that might disagree with us. And that, you know, if the, especially if they've come up in the past and it seems to be a pattern where you get into these conversations I think it's really good before you get into a circumstance like that, when you know you're going into one, to kind of do a check on your own emotional state. Like, you know how you were saying, I, you know, I was feeling misunderstood. Like if you're in a place where you're kind of struggling with feeling misunderstood and you really are in a place where you need some validation, where you need um, to be recognized um, as, you know, having opinions that matter and that sort of thing. And you're, you're kind of already sort of worked up or disturbed in your spirit. That might not be the best time to enter into these conversations. I think we need to be prudent about when we engage timing. Yeah. Timing (laughs) is everything, right? It really is. But so often we are not mindful about these things. We just kind of fall into circumstances where, you know, well, we just, happened onto this conversation. Well, the reality is actually, if you thought ahead, like if you knew that you were going to be engaging with this person because, you know, say family was getting together and your uncle, you and your uncle already always go at it or whatever. If you know you're going into that circumstance, ask yourself, am I in a place where I can have a discussion that's going to be fruitful and that I can maintain my peace and holy disposition in it or not? And if the answer is no, I'm not, you then need to come up with strategies about how to not get into that conversation. Because not having a conversation is always a choice. (laughs) And so many people don't take it when it's available. Like really, if you cannot have a holy, fruitful conversation because either you or the other person is not in a state or a disposition to do that, don't have it. Don't have it. I'm telling you, please, I'm begging people, stop having conversations that you know going in are going to cause anger, hurt, pain. Like, you don't have to have them. You can walk away. 
Right. And I think the best example of that would be a spousal. Okay. Then the Mm -hmm. spousal relationship, there's lots of communication needed. We'll say I'm ready to talk about it, but for some reason, my husband's had kind of a bad day, um, but I'm ready, right? Mm -hmm. You got to read the book. You got to make the timing right. And it may not be, there's not a receptivity to hearing. I like to say they need to have that receptivity to be able to hear what's being said. You have to like, weigh that circumstance to see if that's the same thing. Well, the same thing with our other friendships and relationships. Are they in a place where they could hear maybe they're feeling kind of vulnerable or, or having a rough day, you know, be aware of those kinds of things. And it goes both ways where you either have to, if you recognize yourself or not in that state, you say, look, I cannot have that conversation right now. You know, we need to put that on the shelf for another time. Just be honest about it. And if somebody pushes the issue, you need to be firm You say, no, really, this is not the time for that conversation. And if you have to remove yourself physically from the circumstances, do it. Because the damage that can be done with words is too significant to risk it. And then on the other side, if you're all ready for a conversation, like you said, like you were saying before, but the other person isn't, you need to trust them when they say, I'm not ready to have this conversation right now. Or if they don't say that, but it's clear from every indicator of their nonverbal and verbal interaction that they're not ready to have that conversation, let it go. (laughs) Exactly. You have to have a little abandonment to things here. Just be willing to let some things go, right? And not just be like, I want my way. I want to say what I want to say. And, uh," you know, just ask the Lord for the peace and the discernment to decide if a conversation should even happen. Right. One of the other things I think is really important to, to point out, and I glean this from the book Crucial Conversation. So it's a really great book to to pick up if you're interested in this topic some more and do a, dig, a deeper dive, was the level of level of vulnerability needed to to go when you go in. You've got to be certain level of vulnerability, meaning I'm open to hearing what you have to say. Mm-hmm. I'm also open to potentially understanding I might be wrong on a certain situation. So there's this, I call it kind of a humility of understanding, which is incorporates this vulnerability that's needed to have a a good productive conversation because you may be wrong. Can you be open-minded to it enough? Maybe, maybe not. Wait till you are. Yeah. And I think that goes beyond just like, I may be wrong about a topic. Like for example, if I'm going into a conversation with somebody who is pro-abortion, I'm, I'm not open to changing my mind on the idea that abortion is murder, right? But what I can be open to is the challenging of my assumption that I may have of a stereotype that all people who are pro-abortion think this way or believe this because of this or whatever. Like my mind can be open to deeper realities about why this individual might have this view that I find completely wrong. Right. So I don't necessarily have to be open to changing a moral conviction that I believe is God given. You know, that's different. Different, But open to the idea of the understanding of why someone might believe differently. um, I could learn a a lot of new things about why someone could come to that place um, and that point of view. And we need to be open to that, um, to I think really the idea that the person in front of us isn't a stereotype. They, they aren't just a class, you know, based on their opinions or, you know, beliefs. They're a unique individual who there's a lot 
going on underneath all that. And I think one of the things that's really important is to try to get to the root of what is really important to that person. Like it's again, it comes back to that, not just what you believe, but why, why do you believe that? You know, why do you feel that way? You know, and sometimes then it gets into the deeper things about what they think about a human being or what they think about rights or what they think about um, emotional things, um, how they impact people. Um, and then you can, when, when you start digging down into those more um, elemental things, that's where you find common ground. Yes. Because ultimately, if you want to have a fruitful dialogue, you want to find that place where you can have a foundation where you're um, standing on the same ground, right? And it, you may have to go kind of deep to find it sometimes. Yes, I, I have a... My sweet dear brother that I love so much, he and I are very have very different opinions on on most things. Um, but what I value so much about him is how I can sit and just ask him questions, and he very calmly will give me his answers. And now, and I understand why he thinks the way that he does, even if I do disagree with him. But I have to just shout out to him because he's such a lovely human that just really wants to do the right thing. We have to understand most every human is like that. They want to do the right thing and they really are coming from a place of love too. We just have different avenues of mm -hmm. getting to that place or different perspectives on it. But to to really approach it with love and not get riled. And again, the questioning, I think, part is so very important. We hear this in apologetics all the time is to ask questions like pondering questions when you're trying to get to understand another person's point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think um, when you ask things like, why is that so important to you? What do you hope to accomplish through that? How did you come to think that? That's, those are really um, questions that say, you know, I actually care about you, you as a person and why you believe what you believe or think what you think. And, uh, and that, that can soften a heart quite a bit. If you actually really seem interested in, in what they think and how they feel, um, it really can diffuse a lot of situations. Um, especially if you can do it in such a way that doesn't seem like challenging, um, but really more inquiring. And this is an area where nonverbal communication really plays a big role. We, I think, often can lose um, track sometimes in conversations about, lose track of our posture and our tone of voice. Um, Posture really tells people a lot in a conversation about where you're at. And there's some very specific things that I think everybody will sort of universally understand when, when I speak of them. If you're on a, in a one-to-one -one conversation and a person is leaning back with their arms crossed, that is a very closed posture. That in physically says to the other person, I'm not open to hearing what you have to say. Conversely, if the person is leaning in an aggressive way, 
like is trying to get like in your face. Literally, we have that term in your face because it in what it what it all means is the person is aggressively trying to assert themselves over you. That is also that's a posture that says, you know, I'm looking to control this conversation. I'm looking to control you. And then the person can either respond in one of two ways. Generally, either it's either fight or flight, right? They're either going to get back in and they're going to, you know, just feel threatened. So they're going to lash out or they're going to withdraw. But if you can maintain more of a relaxed, open, engaged posture, then that's going to speak to the other person that you are in this conversation with them. Setting them at ease. Set them at ease. And then also tone of voice. For example, you know, I talked about asking the question, how did you come to believe that? Right. Okay. So there's more than one way you can ask that question. Like somebody states a belief that you totally disagree with and you say, well, how did you come to believe that? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that says a lot in that tone. But if you look at them and you say, hmm, well, how did you come to believe that? How is the person going to respond differently to those different ways? And it can be easy for us because of our own strong emotional attachment to the things that we believe and the fact that what we believe often informs us a lot about who we are. If somebody expresses something that is contrary to what we believe, it can actually, in the deepest part of ourselves, cause us to get scared about our own self-knowledge, our own view of ourselves, and the desire to defend because we're feeling that fear of, you know, this person doesn't value something that makes me me. You know, you, you hear that a lot. I, I think what coming to mind, that becomes a big issue in the debate regarding um, same-sex attraction and stuff like this, where you often have this very strong self-identification with, you know, being homosexual or whatever. And then so, so when somebody says something contrary to that as being a defining characteristic of who you are as a person, like that feels like a very personal attack. So that's just an example of how that can come into play. But we have to be aware of our own interior state of being and how, you know, we may not have intended to sound that like, you know, sort of, you know, I'm trying to think of the word, but that's the sound that just like, (laughs) why do you believe that? I mean, that's what that says is that stupid. I think kind of an attack. Yeah. Yeah. You're attacking just with tone. Mm -hmm. So to try to be aware of your tone and your posture, that's going to go a long way into setting the stage for a conversation that's going to be fruitful. So right now I have to say that I'm leaning in only not an aggressive stance, but out of interest. Right. And that lean is totally different. (laughs) Different, right? right? Because I'm like, I'm kind of leaning in just listening to what Megan has to Mm -hmm. say because I really enjoy her. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of, a lot of constellations of things. And so, that's why it's always good to kind of prepare oneself when you're going into these conversations. Um, but again, getting into that really trying to get into the deeper place of the whys of, you know, what's important to you? What, what do you hope to accomplish with that? What, what does that mean to you as a person? Right. And then when you get into those places, I think what we really should try to do is find the good 
any other person. Because like, honestly, even sin often has its source in seeking some good. Generally it does, right? Like, you know, say you're, you're being greedy, you know, you're like, you're wanting a whole bunch of stuff. Well, you're seeking the good of a sense of fulfillment, right? Of, you know, maybe you, there's an emptiness within you and you're seeking to feel a sense of fulfillment. So fulfillment is a good, you're seeking a good, you're just seeking it in a bad way that's ultimately going to be hurtful towards you and others. But there is that good that is at its, you know, the deepest sort of um, interior motivation. So if we can find the good in what the other person is seeking, like, so for example, the abortion issue, that's so contentious right now and such a difficult thing for, you know, a person who believes it's murder to, you know, trust the goodwill of a person who is, you know, pro-abortion, like wants it to be legal, wants it to be available. But can we acknowledge that maybe there is some good that they are seeking? So a lot of times, well, what is it that makes that issue so important to you? Like, why do you feel it's so important that it be legal? Yes, I actually had that conversation with someone with the opposite opinion. So I thought it was very it fascinating. Go? Tell it us how very it went. well. It, went, it, the, it was a good, very civilized, again, my adoring brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just really shed some light for me. So we started digging down in it and I asked him um, about it. And at the end of the day, he did believe that it was that mother's right, that her right was larger than the right to the life of the child. And that was his belief. And that was exactly where we parted ways was I believe she did not have the right to take that child's life or he believes that is her right to take the child's life. So we parsed it down to just that level. Right. And and so in the end, the good that he's seeking is that he desires for the woman to have an independence in her life and a freedom for decision-making. Yes. Right. So there's the good, right. Mm -hmm. Seeking um, dignity for the woman and a freedom in her choices. Okay. So then you can talk about that because you can say, I also want women to have dignity and freedom, freedom that God has determined for them. So let's talk more about what real authentic human freedom looks like. Cause then maybe we can, you know, get to some more deeper places of, of understanding each other beyond this big issue, because we agree here. We want dignity and freedom for women. I'm so glad that we found something that we agree on. Let's talk about that. Yes, uh-huh. You know, and so, but so often we don't get to that point, right? We're too busy arguing the points trying to win being competitive yeah Yeah. let's let's throw that out the window when it comes to these kind of crucial conversations it's not a competition it's a fact-finding mission yeah and it's coming if you enter in the conversation that's less about the things you disagree on and more about coming to understand the heart of another person that that's a totally different place to right. come at the conversation. Because it's born of a place of love for the other, love for another child of God. Right. Now, but I do think um, another thing that we do need to talk about is that um, you need to make sure you're talking about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes you'll get into these big discussions and it's like you're actually not even talking about the same right. topic. So that's just another thing I'll just throw out there is 
something to consider. Like, yeah. are we even talking about the same thing here? Um, but I do want to say that um, we need to realize that even if we have the best intentions and we want to do this in, in the conversation, um, the other person might struggle to go where you want to go as far as um, getting beyond uh, the divisive issue at hand. And they may shift very quickly from sharing to emotion. Like if you're looking to get into more a question, a topic of reason and like why you believe what you believe and what are the reasons that you come to that, you know, belief and that sort of thing. And the other person just gets really mad or uncomfortable or whatever. Defensive. Defensive. Like they are already going into like a strong emotional reaction. Um, that is a place where you need to make a decision. You need to decide, are they capable of any conversation further or are they so far off on the emotional side that you can't even um, engage their emotion in a way that's going to be healthy? So you need to decide, should we continue the conversation? Like, just like I said at the beginning, you might, you maybe should make decisions not to even enter a conversation. There's also points within these conversations that you need to make decisions, whether it's time to stop it. Like mm -hmm. it just, if it's clearly doesn't seem to be going in a fruitful way, you can, no, and no matter what your good intentions or what your efforts have been, the person just seems to want to argue and, and, and is even maybe making personal attacks and things like that. You have to make a decision uh, should I even continue? But as it relates to emotion, I wanted to talk about a couple things. Um, there's two kinds of emotions, right? There's positive emotions that are ordered towards virtues. And then there's negative emotions that are ordered towards, um, you know, vice, right? So I think it's good if you're to try to focus on the positive emotions and try to draw out the positive emotions and the virtues that are attached to them. But if you do have negative emotions that seem to just be like exploding, there's some techniques on how you can deal with other people's emotions that I just wanted to go through briefly. Um, one of them is to mirror. It's called mirroring. And what that means is if somebody like kind of blows up at you, it's like you can say, wow, I see that you are really upset by that. <laughs> like you just with a, with a dramatic tone, like kind of mirroring their tone saying, that fires you up like just or, or even just repeat the words back to them. Like if they say, um, I think anybody who believes that is an idiot, it's like you really think idiots believe this, you know, just, so they I can see, yeah, they see so they see what they're they're giving you. You're like, yes. you like you reflect back at them what they're giving you. Right. That's called mirroring. And sometimes um, that'll like kind of bring people back a little bit from as dramatic of an emotion, but then you can also uh, validate. And even if you don't agree with what they're saying, mm. you can validate that they, that they would, that they feel that way. You I can like, see that you really feel like they're idiots. <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing, right? Or say something like, you know, considering how strongly you believe about this topic, I can understand why it would be so frustrating for you. Yes. I really okay. see oh, that. Yeah. I see what you're you know? saying there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, because, and you can even say with myself, I also feel very frustrated when somebody, you know, can't seem to see how I see things. Like, I get it. I get that you, you know, that that is painful to you. Right. So that's validating. And that often goes a long way in a person just stopping feeling like you're an adversary and now 
this person is actually trying to understand Again, me. another diffusing. Right. And then um, the third thing you can do is to clarify if things, you'd be like, so it seems like what you're saying is this. Is that true? Is that correct? Am I understanding you correctly? You know, especially, in, and you can do that even if you're pretty sure you understand them correctly and you disagree. You just like, Saying, I just want to make sure that this is really what you're saying, because um, it's important to me that I really understand the truth of what you're saying and not just how it's getting filtered to me. So exactly. let me say it back to you. And, and can you just confirm that? Yes, this is what you're saying. And so those things, if you do those things, when really strong negative emotions are coming out at you can often diffuse the negative emotions and then get you back to that place of maybe you can then have some real um, fruitful conversation. And one thing I just last thing I would say is, and we mentioned this like back in the, I think it was when you were having um, difficult conversation, sharing the truth and love mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, more intimate people in your life. I really think the physical touch where it's appropriate can go a long way. Like, you know, if you're, if you have a friend, for example, who you're disagreeing with and they're getting really worked up and then you just grab their hand and you're like, you know, I know this is, you know, this is hard. These conversations are difficult, especially because we disagree. But, you know, I just want you to know that I'm so glad that we're having it, you know, and that we, that we love each other enough that we're going to be honest with each other. And you know, like that, that grab of the yes, hand, yes. you know, it, it really does say, you know, we may, not agree. We may be opposed to each other in ideas, but we're still here together. I love you. Yeah. You know, I, I love, love you. you. Yeah. And, and that's again, in the end, if you can leave a conversation that is based on disagreements, even strong, passionate disagreements, if you can leave that conversation feeling fairly confident that the person who you just had it with still knows you love them, and that you feel loved by them, that's been a fruitful conversation, even if you haven't come to any place of agreeing on the topic. Right. I, I like it. You have in your notes about um, the virtuous emotions. So let's try and leave on that note of having these crucial conversations where you do feel a sense of, of peace and joy, faithfulness and hope. Yeah. Yeah, for I'm, sure. We need that. And I think we've right now in this time, we are feeling a lot of hopelessness. Like we just don't see like it can get better. It's looking bleak out there. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It feels so bleak. And all we see is arguments and, you know, outbursts and, and, you know, lack of respect for one another. And how we feel about the more general realities of society will be really impacted by the interactions we have in our day-to-day -day lives. So if we can start really trying to prioritize having positive, holy, healthy, fruitful conversations and encounters in our day-to-day -day life, we will start to be more hopeful about the broader society. Absolutely. Because hope has a face. Amen. He does. Amen. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for today then. And uh, thank you so much, y'all, for uh, tuning in. We hope you join us next time. Until then, this is Shoulder to Shoulder. And... God bless.